Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse number 9, the Bible says, And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. I want to talk just a little bit today about the reason that Jesus ascended into heaven. Now, the ascension is the last individual earthly event of the ministry of Jesus. Now, I said this as frequently as last Thursday to uh, another minister, and I told them, I said, we are not people that have ministries. We are all part of the ministry of Jesus. We are the body. We are the church. He is the head. He is the head of the church. So I need to function with excellence in my part of the body. You need to function with excellence in your part of the body. The Bible teaches us that we are the body of Christ. In this video, we hear that we can actually know Jesus closer and better than the apostles did. Well, the reason is because Jesus dwelled with the apostles. Jesus dwells inside of us. He lives inside of us. So the ascension was the last individual earthly event of the Messiah or of the ministry of Jesus, and it is the completion of the resurrection. It's God's will that the message of Jesus Christ, that the message of the resurrection is multiplied around the world. So in order to do that, Jesus had to ascend and he had to kind of put a lid on his resurrection and then go to heaven and release the power of God that was in him throughout the entire world. So Jesus went to heaven. He was not only renewed to physical life, but he resumed his heavenly life as well. Now Luke talks about this event twice in Scripture. And he says that this event occurred 40 days after the resurrection and 10 days before the day of Pentecost. Next Sunday is our homecoming, but it's also the day of Pentecost. We always have homecoming on Pentecost Sunday. So it's the day that we celebrate the day of Pentecost. Pentecost simply means 50. So... Luke was talking about this and he said, Jesus ascended into heaven. Ten days later, we have the day of Pentecost. Also, this happened on the Mount of Olives, just a short distance east of Jerusalem. So if we believe in the ascension of Jesus, then we naturally believe in his resurrection. Like many events in the life of Jesus... This one is full of mystery, it's full of wonder, it's full of majesty, it's full of questions, and there are very less, some lessons that are very clear. That are, there are some that are kind of shrouded in, in mystery. Uh, but some of our blessings that we enjoy today couldn't come any other way than having Jesus ascend up into heaven. And so I want to talk today about four blessings that we have and four imperative commands that we have from the Lord concerning the ascension of Jesus. I want you to go with me please to the book of Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 uh, verses 16 through 20. 
says this, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, somebody say all power, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. The first thing that I want to talk to us about is the Great Commission. One of the reasons that Jesus ascended into heaven was so that the Great Commission could begin. This passage in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20 that I shared with you just now as I read it to you is what we know as the Great Commission. First of all, the Bible says that He has given unto us all power in heaven and in earth. He told us to go into all the world and, and, and teach and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and to teach about things that He had taught the disciples. And then he makes this very strong statement. He said, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So what Jesus was telling them, knowing that in just a few days that he was going to ascend into heaven, he was telling them, I know that you're probably going to be heartbroken again. You were heartbroken when, when I died. They were devastated. The disciples were dev devastated when Jesus was crucified. Then he knew that... And, and, and hope began to rise again as they experienced the resurrected Lord and then he knew that he was getting ready to have to ascend and so Jesus was preparing them for the ascension when he said, I might have to go but I'm going to be with you always even unto the end of the world. Jesus will never fail you. Jesus will be with you. Now sometimes we fail each other and sometimes we put ourselves in position where we can't receive what we need from the Lord, but Jesus will never fail you. Now when you give your life to Christ, it doesn't mean that you'll never have a troubled trial, tribulation. It doesn't mean that your life is going to be a bed of roses from this day forward. It doesn't mean that all of your problems are going to be solved. The promise that we have when we give our life to Jesus is that we do not have to walk alone. We may have to go through a trouble and a trial, but he said, I am with you. I will be with you when you are persecuted. I will be with you when you're in despondency and despair. I will be with you when you don't know where to go, who to turn to, or what to do. I will be with you. There's a song that we used to sing in church, and that song is this. It's, He's never failed me yet. How many has ever heard that song? He's never failed me yet. God's... Love has never failed me yet. Then there's another song, and I kind of sang a little bit of it this morning to the first service, but it's called Jesus Never Fails. You remember that song? Jesus never fails. Remember that? And He doesn't. Jesus never fails. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 37 and verse 28 that the Lord loveth judgment, and He forsakes not His saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked will be cut off. We live with the promise because of the ascension that Jesus will be with us even to the end of the world. We live with the promise because of the ascension that God will take care of us, that He will be with us in person. I'm talking about inside of us. That His wisdom will be with us, that His power will be with us, 
that His anointing will be with us, and that His presence will reside. The second reason that Jesus ascended that we're talking about today is that if He didn't ascend, we wouldn't have the power to perform. The power to perform what? In Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, the Bible says, Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and that's power to witness. In John chapter 16 and verse number 7, the Bible says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So Jesus ascends into heaven. Ten days later, He makes good on that promise. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Then in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 33, we see the continuation of the fulfillment of that promise. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, speaking of Jesus, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, He hath shed forth this which ye now see and hear. So we see the fulfillment of that promise. The church received the power of God to preach Christ to work miracles, to demonstrate Jesus, to, to declare the works of the Lord. Now the work of the Holy Spirit, there, I've got four of them down here. There's several reasons that the Holy Spirit works, but the work of the Holy Spirit, some people say, why do we need Holy Spirit today? Well, number one, He exalts Jesus Christ. Let me just kind of point this out to you just a little bit this morning. If you are listening to a minister and all they ever talk about is, this is what I did, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that, Help me, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this. No, 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 no. You don't need to be helping I, I, I. You need to be helping Him. You need to be helping Jesus. The Holy Spirit exalts Jesus Christ. And a true minister who is anointed by God, that is filled with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and a true ministry that is fulfilling the Great Commission, will constantly promote Jesus. Constantly promote Jesus. People try to build kingdoms to themselves. They try to build organizations to themselves. Listen, we need to be about the king's business. We need to be working on building the kingdom of God. Amen. Now, Holy Spirit helps us pray. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. Sometimes we don't know what to pray. Holy Spirit helps us pray. And so there are times when we're praying, the Holy Spirit begins to rise inside of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, the Bible talks about the proper use of tongues. There is a proper use of tongues for the world today. A lot of what we see in churches today that call themselves spirit-filled churches is out of order. But there is a proper use of tongues found in the Scripture today. And sometimes when we are praying with the help of Holy Spirit, those tongues come forth. And when they do, that's something that Satan cannot understand. It's your spirit praying with our Heavenly Father to His Spirit and communion is taking place on a level that even the devil can't understand it. It's kind of like God going covert on the devil. It's kind of like God saying, okay, let's hook up with your spirit and let's plan something. Let's put something together that's just going to totally obliterate the work of the enemy. 
And so Holy Spirit helps us pray. Acts chapter 3 and verse number 16, Holy Spirit strengthens us. He helps bring strength to us. And then in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 13 and 14, the Bible talks about how that the Holy Spirit can seal us unto the day of redemption. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 1 through 5, we find Paul addressing the Corinthian church and he's talking to them about the power and the demonstration of the Spirit of God. Now Paul was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. The Bible said he rose above his equals. He was very educated. He probably at one time sat among the people in the Sanhedrin. Who knows? But on the road to Damascus there was a light that shone out of heaven and struck him to the earth and he cried out, Who art thou, Lord? And God gave him instruction to go down to Damascus on a street called Straight. And he went down there and he was blind. And while he was there, the Bible said that God gave him instruction to call Ananias to come and pray for him. And Ananias came and prayed for him and he was, his sight was restored and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, he was full of education. He was full of knowledge. He could stand up and move a crowd with his oratory skills. But we find him here on the other side of the Damascus Road experience and on the other side of being baptized, baptismo, soaked in and without with the Holy Spirit writing these words to the Corinthian church. He said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, and in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So what the Apostle Paul was saying is, I could stand up here and I could move you with great oratory skills. I could stand up here and I could wow you with my education. I could teach you things that you didn't even know existed. But I'm just going to take a back seat to the Holy Ghost. I'm going to let the Lord do what He needs to do. And my speech and my preaching today is not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but it's in the demonstration of the Spirit and a power that your faith does not stand in the wisdom of men or the ability of men, but in the power of God. I want to tell you this morning, the church needs to take a back seat to the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost needs to move once again in our services. He started moving this morning again. The Holy Spirit is wanting to move once again. Shackles are going to be broken. Chains are going to fall off. People are going to experience the supernatural power of God if we worship Him in spirit and in truth and set the Holy Spirit free to do what He wants to do in our midst. Amen. Somebody say, that's right, Pastor. The third reason that Jesus ascended was so that he could experience the exaltation of himself to the Father's right hand as our intercessor. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, the Bible tells us that Jesus not only intercedes for us, but he intercedes for the whole world. Did you know that he's not there just to pray for you? He's praying for the agnostic and he's praying for the atheist and he's praying for the misguided and he's praying for the deceived and he's praying for the broken and he's praying for the torn. He's praying for you. He is your intercessor at the Father's right hand. 
The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Let's read that there. Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Come on. Come on, Steve. Hang with me. Next slide, Steve. Come on, Steve. There we go. All right. Being found in fashion as a man, Jesus humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now look at verse 10. At the name of Jesus, name means authority. So through the authority of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth. Now the Bible tells us, I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So we do that through the authority that we have with the name of Jesus. But look at the rest of that. It says, and then things under the earth. What's that talking about? That means that Satan is under his feet. That means that every demon, every, every enemy, every little imp that works against you and tries to defeat you and tries to destroy you and tries to beat you down, they're under your feet. Jesus has been exalted and He is the head of the church and we are the church, His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. And if God exalted Jesus and He's the head, He's not going to disconnect the head from the body. So positionally, we are raised up into heavenly places to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus far above all principality, power, might, and dominion and every name that is named. Jesus said, I have to ascend so I can lift you up with me over the work of the enemy. Wow! Turn to your neighbor and say, if you need to get a message to the devil, write it on the bottom of your shoe. Yeah. Put him under your feet. Quit talking to the devil like he's on the same level that you are. A lot of Christians today are talking to the devil like he's lording over God's heritage. He's not lording over me. He's not lording over you. You have. He is defeated. You, he's been defeated. Hallelujah. You have power over him. You have authority over him through the name of Jesus. So God exalted Jesus and gave him that place. Now, I want to read to you Romans chapter 8, verses 33 through 34 in the Amplified. Here's what it says. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? When it is God who justifies, that is, who puts us in the right relation to Himself. Who shall come forward and accuse or impeach those whom God has chosen? Will God who acquits us? Who is there to condemn us? Will Christ Jesus, the Messiah, who died or rather who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, actually pleading as He intercedes for us? So the answer to both of those verses is, of course, no one's going to bring a charge against God's elect in its stick. God's not going to. Jesus is not going to. Why? Because Jesus has been exalted and He's seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and I. Therefore, Hebrews 7, 25 through 26, He is able to completely save those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. 
such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. The bottom line is Jesus is your prayer partner in heaven. That's the bottom line. Come on, that, re- that deserves a little celebration. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when I pray in His name on the earth, then He takes it to my heavenly Father and it is sealed in heaven through the work of Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Why? Because He was not, He did not just ascend, but He was exalted by God. He was exalted by God and given a name which is above every name. That tells me that cancer must bow. That tells me that tuberculosis must bow. That tells me that that emphysema must bow. That tells me that physical problems has to bow. That tells me that mental anguish has to bow. That tells me that financial poverty has to bow. All I have to do is come into partnership with my prayer partner in heaven who is Jesus, who I am connected with by virtue of Him being the head of the church and I'm part of the church and I have to come into connection with Him and through the Holy Spirit pray and let Him intercede on my behalf. And listen... When heaven releases something into the earth, there is no demon or devil in hell that can stop it from being released. Hallelujah. When God speaks over you, the devil backs up. When His Word speaks over you, the devil backs up. When that Word comes through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Because our speech and our preaching is not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the power and the demonstration of the Spirit of God. That's what sets us apart from a lot of other churches. We believe in the move of the Holy Ghost. We believe in the power of the Spirit. We believe in deliverance. We believe in healing. We believe in salvation. We believe in miracles because we have a prayer partner in heaven who is seated at the right hand of the Father that is releasing God's power into the earth today. Hallelujah. Last thing that I want to talk to you about today. He ascended so he could return. (laughs) Come on, touch your neighbor right now and say, He's coming again. Oh, (laughs) He's coming again. Brother Blankenship, we get to heaven, we're going to go through for a stroll together on Glory Avenue. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Then I'm going to find myself a fruit tree and eat some heaven fruit. I'm going to see what that tastes like. I told him in the first service, there's going to be a marriage supper of the lamb and fried chicken is on the menu. Hallelujah. How do you know fried chicken's on the menu? Because there have been a whole lot of chickens that have given their life for good church dinners and they're, they're going to heaven. Amen, amen. Somebody looked at me and said, you've ate so many chickens when you get to heaven, there's going to be a rooster looking for you. Mm. The the ascension of Jesus was a jaw-dropping event. I mean, they're standing here talking to Jesus and all of a sudden, He just ascends into heaven. 
They're standing there and the Bible said, and I read it to you in Acts chapter 1 verses 9 through 11, two men stood by in water peril and said, Why stand ye gazing into heaven for this same... Jesus, not another, this same Jesus, which has gone away, will so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. Matthew chapter 24 is full of end time events. You go, I challenge you, go to Matthew chapter 24 and find something that's not being fulfilled. Signs of the times are everywhere. Jesus Christ is getting ready to come. You say, well, I've heard that all of my life and I just don't know if I believe it anymore. You're fulfilling Bible prophecy. The Bible said in a time when man thinks not shall appear the coming of the Son of Man in heaven. There's a lot of people today, they say, well, I heard Grandpa preach it and I heard Grandma talk about it and I heard my daddy preach it and, and, and here you are, you're preaching it and now I'm talking to my kids about it and all of that and I just really don't know if it's going to happen. Let me tell you something. As sure as the grass is green and the flowers bloom in the spring, the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet them in the clouds and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Woo, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is... That doesn't scare me. The Bible said comfort one another with these words. My kids looked at me the other day and they said, Dad, do you want to die? I thought, what kind of a morbid question is that? But I thought to myself, I'm not going to tell them I don't want to die. I looked at them, I said, I'm not afraid to die. They said, that doesn't really answer it. I said, oh, it does answer it. I said, I'm not afraid to die. Three years ago when that pancreatitis hit me and I ended up in the hospital for the first time in 25 years and they told me I was just a, a, a few days away from singing with the angels. That was the term that the, the nurse told me. She said, you were just a few days away from singing with the angels. I got out of the hospital and I turned and looked at my wife on the way home. I said, good Lord. I said, if that's all there is to dying, there ain't nothing to it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to that day. When I can look into the eyes of a grandmother that i never seen, that I know is, is watching over me. I'm looking forward to the day. I, I, I tell you, the older you get, the more precious heaven becomes. That song, heaven sounding sweeter all the time. The older I get, the more of those loved ones are gone. I looked at a friend of mine the other day and I told him, I said, look, I said, a lot of these older gentlemen and, and women that, that have went on to be with the Lord, I said, we looked at them as a mentor and, and we drew from them and all of that. And I said, here I am now. I'll hit 50 years old this year, the end of this year. Thank you very much. But... <laughs> So I hit 50 years old this year and I said, I'm looking at them and they're going on to be with the Lord and I'm turning and I'm looking at little, at little guys like Charles and I'm looking at Josh and I'm looking at Moses and I'm looking at, at BJ and I'm looking at some of these other young ones and they're looking at us like we looked at them. What does that mean? That means we got to walk in holiness and we got to walk with power and we have to walk with anointing. We got to make sure that we pass to the next generation the heart of God, which is world evangelization. Jesus told them, Jesus told them, go into the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. Jesus promised that he would give us power to witness. Amen. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. You shall receive power after 
that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you'll be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. He's not going to just toss you out there and say, go evangelize the world and not give you the power to do it. That's good, Pastor. That's good. My goodness. <laughs> okay. I got to hurry. <laughs> If world evangelization is close to the heart of God, don't you think we should be involved in it? Why do you think we focus on missions and media and intercessory prayer? The whole reason we're doing CTN is not for me to be a popular TV preacher. Listen, I kind of like eating my hamburgers in peace. I was on television in Canada for three and a half years and there was one city, not one city, one province up there. I couldn't even eat a hamburger in peace. I'd sit there and someone recognized me and come over want to sit down and talk. Listen, uh, it's not to be popular. It's because it's a mission field. You can take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. Missions. This church should be involved in missions. I don't want to pastor a church who doesn't have an appetite for the move of God. I don't want to pastor a church who doesn't have missions at its core. I don't want to evangelize a church who are so focused on themselves and so inward looking that they can't reach out into the community and try to win lost people to Jesus. That's not a threat. It's my passion. It's a motivation. What I'm saying is let's get more passionate about missions. Let's get more passionate about media ministry. Let's get more passionate about prayer and let's Fulfill the Great Commission because the quicker we fulfill it, the quicker He returns. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number four, Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669 or you may call us at 727-856-1770 our office hours are monday through wednesday 9 a.m to 5 p.m thursdays 9 a.m to 2 p.m and remember the word will work if you work the word